I am afraid that I have much news, and most of it is terrible. Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Ineash Brodsky. And I'm David. Ineash is back! Woohoo! I'm happy to be back, guys. Thank you for the awesome show with Gray. How was Hawaii? Hawaii was fantastic, although they're fucking crazy with the COVID restrictions over there. Oh, yeah, you were selling us before. They just masks everywhere, including, like, by yourself. Outside, while you're, you know, far away from anyone else on a nature hike, I saw people wearing masks. It was it was nuts. Oy. Well, I'm glad it was good other than that. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, I kind of understand because tourism is the vast majority of their industry there and uh when covid-19 first hit that got really walloped hard and now they're scared about you know a repeat and they don't want people to feel unsafe but oh my god it was nuts yeah they're also like super super blue tribe politically so that probably has quite a bit to do with it because florida is also pretty heavily dependent on tourism and they're not it surprised me that they're so blue tribe seeing as you know most of the population is poor and working class didn't uh, isn't that not not quite blue tribe? Uh, is she a senator or a representative? The one who was running for president. She's from there. Yeah, yeah. The the Russian bot. I know who you're talking <laughs> about. <laughs> oh, I I I can picture what she looks like, but I can't remember her name. I want to say Maisie Williams, but I know that's wrong. No, that's the Game of Thrones actor. That's actor. why I know it's wrong. <laughs> oh, Tulsi Gabbard. That's what it is. That's okay. Maisie. <laughs> Oh, poor You know, Arya maybe Stark. someday. I don't know. She lived. Not that poor. That's true. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers for <laughs> the shitty ending of Game of Thrones. Oh. Uh, anyway, uh, we're going to go into a follow-up. Uh, last episode, we were talking about, again, because we were talking about it the episode before that, the uh, racist policy that New York City had of giving out... Um, uh, COVID treatment to non-whites um, and only giving it to whites if they had some other kind of pre-existing condition. Um, and the an organization called FAIR has filed a federal lawsuit against them. And I think FAIR stands for, is it uh, the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism? Uh, let me check that. I don't know, but if that's their name and they're filing this lawsuit, then they are 1,000% an AstroTurf organization, and I don't like that, although I do like this specific thing they're doing. What uh, what counts as an AstroTurf organization? Uh, basically, like, um, an organization that uh, the Red and or Blue Tribe sets up to pose as a member of the opposite tribe to, like, discredit and or, um, like, talk shit about them. Uh, you see this, uh, you see this a lot in, um, uh, the gun space, like, whenever you see a, uh, um, organization that's like, um, hunters and gun owners of America or something like that, uh, that's billing themselves as a quote-unquote moderate on guns, organization that uh favors both the second amendment and common sense gun control like do the tiniest amount of digging and they're just like another standard uh sock puppet for michael bloomberg 
I don't think this is the case here because I've heard quite a lot about them and they appear to be, you know, the new organization that is uh, the ACLU that's not racist now that, you know, the ACLU turned all racist and shit. Huh. Well, color me pleasantly surprised. They've got uh, they've got Steven Pinker's face on their website. Oh, and okay. Yeah. And that... they're literally pursuing having this be uh, can- uh, not canceled, but, you know, struck down by the courts. So, yeah, they're they're doing good work. Good. Yeah, I, I think they are an actual ideological organization that real people join. Because, I, yeah, I have heard of them before. I don't know. David, you listen to Reason. Hasn't uh, the Reason Roundtable mentioned them a few times? Or no, they talk um, about fire. But I think yeah. fair is yeah, probably the same, same circles. If they have Steven Pinker's face on their website, it's probably, like, yeah, pretty similar. Um, people who know each other from their work at the University of Austin. Fair enough. All right, but they are, uh, yeah, they're filing a lawsuit because this is obviously unconstitutional. So uh, we'll keep you updated on how that goes. Fuck yeah. Hope it goes all the way. I mean, I hope it just gets struck down in the lower court and nobody appeals it because they know it's completely illegal. Well, okay. I mean, maybe they're just going to withdraw having that provision entirely and this will be a non-issue, but I kind of hope it goes all the way to Supreme Court. Yeah. Just. I mean, the Supreme Court, so the Supreme Court... And we don't have this on our uh, on our outline, but it's probably something we should have mentioned. Is is going to be reviewing an affirmative action case, um, so they're already poised to issue a uh, you know a ruling about how people should stop being so racist. Yeah, <laughs> that it's still racist when it's racist against white people. Mm. Um, how much you want to bet? Uh, Justice Thomas writes the opinion just to troll everyone. <laughs> that would be excellent. <laughs> Uh, but they're definitely going to strike down affirmative action. There's no way affirmative action makes it out of this. The original? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so or the original case allowing it, I forget what it's called, but it's some it's some law school that I think one of the justices went to. <laughs> had like a, so then they were so, like. So it was either Yale or Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not wrong. And it was, um, <laughs> Roxy has lots of opinions about this. So it was, they actually, they issued two opinions on the same day. Um, one striking down, it was like an undergrad policy of, I think they had uh, racial quotas. And then the other one was the law school policy that had like a point system. And like, you could get points for being in certain racial categories. And they said that was okay as long as it was part of like a holistic, you know, determination. Um but the racial quotas weren't okay. And it was this convoluted reasoning about why uh, that didn't make any sense. Much like Roe v. Wade. It was just the the justices had this kind of idea about, well, I think this is what's right. And so we'll, like, just fit the law into that. Uh, so I don't think I don't think this court is going to uphold that. And I, I think the reason they took the case is because they're going to get rid of it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm slightly worried, but... I think it's a good thing on net in this environment. Just seemed like it did a lot of good things in the past. Affirmative action? Yeah, back when it was needed. Well, that actually takes us into our first story, which is there is a vacancy on the Supreme Court. News you can use. (laughs) And um, there's definitely going to be an affirmative action hire. (laughs) Get your applications in now, but only if you're a black lady. Yeah, Biden's uh, uh, has has uh, pledged to fill the nomination with a black woman, and looks like he's going to live up to that. Um, which is, uh, you know, c- pretty illegal. Yep. <laughs> and 
I don't think it matters that it's legal in this case, but it's also fucking stupid on his part to have said that out loud. Yeah. Like, like my position on this is we all knew he was going to do this. And when he inevitably uh, put forward a black woman for the position, we would all know why. Uh, his supporters, his opponents, whoever. The people who are going to cheer him were going to cheer him for it. The people who are going to grumble were going to grumble for it. But at least he would, like, leave a mot for his supporters to... Re- Wait, no, you retreat to the Bailey. Yeah. At least he would leave a Bailey for his supporters to retreat to. Uh, that, no, this wasn't a diversity hire. She's just a really good, uh, judge. And then he had to go and say the fucking quiet part out loud. Which, like, when the enemy is at your gates is not the time you want to set your Bailey on fire. Your mod on fire. Whichever. Fuck. (laughs) The, the Bailey is where the good work gets done that everybody wants. The Mott is easily defendable. Okay, yeah. When the enemy is at the gates of the Bailey is not when you want to set the Mott on fire. Well, the problem was he made that promise during the um, the primary when he was trying to, you know, fight off all these lefty lefts. So he was like, well, I'm going to be super lefty and I'm going to appoint a black woman to the Supreme Court. Couldn't he just not, not you know, break his promise? People do that a lot. Oh, yeah. I mean, not that he necessarily should or has to, but I don't know. It's Well, weird. yeah, he could definitely come out and be like, well, look, I, I said that because I had a person in mind, um, but we're going we're gonna to evaluate everyone and we're going to pick the best qualified person. And then, oh, look, there we it go. was this black woman. You know, like, that's what Obama did when he had appointed Sotomayor. It was like, he wasn't like, I'm going to appoint a Latina woman. He was like, oh, look. The best qualified pick just happened to be a Latina woman. Well, wow, that is historic. Now that you mention it, <laughs> do you do you want to mention the why this isn't necessarily a big deal thing? Why it's not a big deal? Yeah, why it's not necessarily a big deal? Oh, I mean, the 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 vacancy is a big deal. The fact that he's going to fill it with a black woman. I, oh, I don't think it's a big deal at all. Um, because yeah. Supreme Court, you know, there's no such thing as like the most qualified person. Um, there, I'm sure there are, you know, a good. 50 or so judges who would be fine Supreme Court justices um, especially if you're especially for a Democrat not that they'd be entirely interchangeable but for the most part they'll... saw the in- interesting take that um, it uh, the the executive isn't really positioned to be able to tell differences between the top 1% anyway yeah. he just has a list he chooses from and the criteria of who he chooses from that list are always things like backroom dealings and you know Nothing that has anything to do with merit, all entirely political considerations. And now he's just doing the thing of, like, telling us what that political consideration is right up front. So, you know, it was stupid of him, but it's not like it's that big a deal compared to what usually gets done. Yeah, in terms of the actual justice we get, I don't, I don't think it's going to be any really affect much in, in any direction. So you say there's no one best person to appoint, but on the other hand, Richard Posner is still alive. I don't know who that is. You go straight to hell with your Richard Posner. <laughs> God, I had to read his opinions in law school, and I God, I wish I could remember one that was particularly bad, but I remember thinking, wow, these are pretty crap. Uh, he's almost as bad as Easterbrook. I am of the opinion that we already have at least one black Supreme Court justice and several women, and yet we still have zero Asians, zero gays, zero atheists. I don't know why we keep focusing on this one demographic when there's plenty of people who uh, are not being represented that are a greater percentage of the population. Appoint um, a gay Asian atheist. 
Seriously. <laughs> like, not even joking. All right. Well, that's what Eniash will do if you elect him as president. I America. Will not I will not commit to that ahead of time because then I could be stuck in the Joe Biden problem where I'm eight out of nine Supreme Court justices are gay Asian men or, or gay Asian atheists. And uh, and then I have this promise that I made. I'm like, well, damn it. Yep. Shrewd of you. Yeah. Um, I want to know what I want to know is who actually has standing to sue here? Because this is workplace discrimination. Like if anyone else in the country was like, I have a position to fill and... I'm only going to hire people of a particular race or ethnicity. Um, that would be illegal, especially if it was a government hire, because they're subject to the Constitution's um, mandate of equal protection. Hmm. Like, the government is not allowed to discriminate based on race. I assume it would be anyone who's in a, a high court justice could have feasibly been a Supreme Court nominee and isn't a black woman? Yeah, so that's the problem. None of those people are going to sue. No. Uh, and I don't think I don't even think if they wanted to, the Equal Opportunity Employment Commission could uh, could do that. I think they need to have like a person who is aggrieved, who they're acting on behalf of. Um, not that they would, because they're an executive branch agency. Uh, but it would be funny. I would love to see. You know, I think whoever whoever wants to be the next Republican appointee should sue. The yeah, yeah, that would probably work, right? Because they definitely like. Especially if it's a clown like Trump or DeSantis, uh, the next Republican president will definitely appoint the guy who sued over this. Well, maybe we'll see it after all. Yeah, maybe. Would be hilarious. I agree. And then, then you run into the question of what's the remedy? I feel like in most of those, you just kind of you pay off the uh, person who, who was harmed. Yeah, there's not any um, any states where, like, judges at Supreme Court level are elected, right? Um, I don't think so. Yeah, like, you wouldn't appoint, like, a state appeals court, right? Well, you wouldn't, you would appoint them, you wouldn't elect them. Uh, yeah, sorry, you would appoint them. But the judges, uh, judges in a lot of states do have to get elected, but then I think the higher courts, they just yeah. take from those judges, maybe? I actually don't know how it works. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, I don't think you directly elect like, higher courts. Yeah, if there's any judge that, like, would plausibly be a nominee, but also could possibly stand for re-election, that would make wonderful election fodder for them. You know, if they're if they're in a red tribe area, obviously. True. True. I don't know if I don't know if they anyone that has standing would have a temperament of, of wanting to do that, but maybe. There are definitely some uh judges that get angry at bullshit. Well yeah, and I'm sure there's a judge out there who wants to be a senator at least. Do the judges that get angry at bullshit go so far as to uh, make it to, you know, state Supreme Courts, though? Yes, absolutely. Oh, okay. Well, cool then. Yeah, but so here's the thing. I don't know who who actually has standing here because I would think I would think it's anyone in the country because anyone in the country is eligible to be hired. <laughs> I think you job. have to have a realistic shot at it. No, I don't think you do. Like, I think... Um, that's for you know. That's that's for the trier of fact to decide. You can't win the case, um, but you can you can get to trial. Uh, if you just get to trial and it gets dismissed because you're a clown, you're going to look like a clown. Yeah, but the the point is to to win the I'm summary sorry, judgment motion. Inyash, have you been paying attention to politics lately? <laughs> what makes you think that Whoops. looking like a clown is going to dissuade literally anyone? Oh my God! You just you just made me realize it's Rudy Giuliani. He's going to sue. 
Oh, God. Why do we have to talk about Rudy Giuliani some more? Well, you mentioned clowns. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> All right. Anyway, probably nobody's going to sue. But if somebody does, that would be very funny. And I would be a fan. Uh, and then we might get a court opinion that says, um, yeah, you can't discriminate on race, even in Supreme Court appointments, which would be cool. Uh, but anyway, we'll move on. Next story is Ukraine. Uh, Russia's invading, maybe? And maybe we don't care? And by we, I mean <laughs> Joe Biden? It's right? hard to say because he keeps saying that uh, he's moving troops over to uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, lots of them, supposedly. But he also keeps saying that they will not enter Ukraine. So I, I don't know what they're, all those troops are doing if they're not going to enter Eastern Ukra- uh, enter Ukraine. They just did, look menacingly at Russia. I don't know. Didn't he give some kind of speech where he was like, yeah, they might invade Ukraine. But, you know, what are you going to do? Well, yeah, exactly. It's just Ukraine. Which is I, like, I, I saw that and I was like, oh, bravo. Finally, some realism in the world. Like, yeah, uh, we don't support that, but we're not really going to do anything about it. Yeah, on the one hand, I feel like anyone who was born or anyone who was like had a full time job and was out of school and so on during the Cold War is not allowed to have an opinion on this. (laughs) On the other hand, I am reading a book called... um, uh, public choice and the illusion of grand strategy, which is leading me to believe that uh, people having opinions on this doesn't actually affect the outcome all that much. Mm. So yeah, probably not. Uh, specifically on things like this. What yeah, from what the the, the mean, public doesn't even know anything. So yeah, well, the public doesn't care. Like the U.S. just doesn't really have many interests in Ukraine. Yeah. It's it's I I think that's the major problem. Like the U.S. Um, doesn't care, and it doesn't have a lot of military capability there. Whereas Russia cares a lot and has an entire army right next door. So uh, uh, I don't. Uh, oh, s- oh contraire, mon frere. Uh, people yes. don't know anything about this, but they totally have opinions about it because, <laughs> like I said, people who were born during the Cold War think that they're allowed to have takes on this, and that means that the Fox watching boomer set which I have a distressing amount of contact with, thinks the fucking sky is falling. Well, there's there's some things to be set up for that, because if we don't um, intervene, then it's going to look like our promises don't mean shit, because one of the reasons Ukraine got rid of their nukes, which I'm sure they now sorely regret, is that they were told uh, they would be protected by, by Western forces if it came down to it. Counterpoint, well, is that a real promise? our promises do not, in fact, mean shit, and the sooner <laughs> that we all just get accustomed to that idea and start behaving accordingly, the, I don't want to say the better things will be, but... I feel like it's kind of a uh, California fire situation where uh, if we don't let the deadwood burn off, then we're just going to set ourselves up for a way worse uh, fire down the road when everyone realizes our promises don't mean shit all at the same time and the entire world catches on fire. Yeah, well, see, that's I think that is the problem because uh, getting the World War One analogy, like being illegible was the problem there when people said you know we are going to go to war over this or that other people didn't believe them because they're like yeah no you're full of shit we know you're not going to and then they did go to war over it because there was one particular situation where they were going to follow up on their threats and we don't want that we want to stay as legible as possible and that means you know not making false promises and fulfilling on our threats 
Although, again, I don't think we have any way to do that in Ukraine, especially because the public will isn't there, aside from, you know, those boomers. I mean, is your will there? No. I mean, the interesting thing is, like, my parents come from Poland, which is next door to Ukraine. They uh, hate the Soviet Union. They fled from it. Uh, My mom is half Ukrainian. And, you know, I was trying to talk with them about this, and they're just like, shrug. Like, they they don't care either. Yeah, I mean, why would Americans Okay, that is genuinely surprising. Well, I mean, they've they've been out of Eastern Europe for 40 years now. And they didn't leave any one they give a fuck about behind? They did. They still have family in Poland, but they're not, not really in Ukraine. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, the only thing actually at stake here seems to be the principle of like, hey, we don't invade other countries anymore. See, that's the weird thing about being a person who likes principles. I, I, I sometimes, you know, am caught in these situations where I'm like, well, I, I think we should defend Ukraine because of principles, but gosh, it seems inconvenient right now. <laughs> well, sure, but defend Ukraine how far? Yeah. Yeah. We, we should not have yeah, asked like, them to get Should rid of their we nukes. defend Ukraine in the same sense that we, like, defended Afghanistan from the Taliban for 18 <laughs> years? Because no thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my view is basically like, that sucks that Russia's doing that, but uh, it's not really our problem. Interesting analysis I saw was that probably what we're going to do is put some sanctions on them so that we can say we're doing stuff without doing much of anything, uh, which makes life a little harder for the Russians because, you know, we're imposing costs on them for doing stuff we don't like. That's normal things that people do. And uh, as a result, they draw closer to China because they, you know, they're their allies in that world. And that's the exact opposite of what we wanted to happen. So it's kind of self-defeating for us. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Russia is so far away from China and and I mean that in both like the political sense and the like linear distance sense that them drawing closer together isn't that big of a worry. Um, yeah, that like I I'm pretty convinced by Peter Zion's story that both Russia and China are pretty much fucked. So if on the margins they become slightly more chummy, they're both still fucked. Well. I kind of hope they're not fucked. When giant countries like that are completely fucked, things get bad. Oh, yeah, no, it's definitely going to suck. I just don't think there's much we can do about it. Oh, we could let them take Ukraine. That would not make them... <laughs> I that know. would not unfuck them. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, Eniash, I see a note on here that apparently this is all about January 6th. <laughs> I love this. I don't, I don't know what this means. <laughs> I was just listening to NPR one time when I was driving. It's rare That's I listen to NPR idea. anymore. Yeah, because they've been completely captured by the woke, but every now and then I flip to it, and I heard someone interviewing a politician, a Republican politician, I believe it was Stephen Skeep, was talking to a Republican politician, and uh, near the end of the interview was like, you know, uh, last year, January 6th, uh, Russia was closely watching our election and uh, what was happening in Washington, and the fact that we had our capital invaded by these insurrectionists made us look very weak, and Russia thought, huh, maybe maybe we can just get away with it we want do you think that january 6th has something to do with all this <laughs> oh, God. yeah, yeah totally. it was beautiful putin was like oh man i better not touch ukraine or else the united states will get all pissed off about it but then he saw january 6th and was like oh wait a second those weaklings aren't gonna do anything full steam ahead right that's definitely what happened it was it was cool seeing just how hard they're trying to make january 6th the thing oh god they really are all right all right anyway Next story about the government being ineffective is that the voting rights bill is dead. 
You may remember last episode, we were talking about some big vote that was supposed to happen on the filibuster, and uh, I think they had it, um, and Mansion and Cinema voted against it. So the filibuster's still in place, and that means the voting rights bill is completely dead. Uh, so that's what happened with that. Good job, everyone. I mean, I got nothing else to say about it. Yeah, that's, uh, pretty <laughs> much it. All right. Next story. <laughs> Boris Johnson, uh, friend of the podcast, is, uh, in some hot water. Everyone's all pissed off at him for apparently having, like, big parties, uh, in the, whatever their number, number 10 Downing Street, their government building, yep. uh, in... Uh, last spring and summer when everyone else was like super locked down uh, wasn't it also particularly like during the period of mourning after uh, um, the prince consort's death oh I don't even hear that but yeah, those words mean nothing to me like so. that. yeah but apparently like and this is this is not like a small scandal people are talking about this like this is it's over for him huh which is and and that this is like some uniquely British thing, because you know we've we've got our uh, who's the California guy? Man, I'm not remembering names today. Um, fucker number two. <laughs> Something with a G. Doesn't matter. Let's keep moving. Gavin Newsom. Yeah, there that's we the one. Yeah, we, fucker so we, number we two. Gavin Newsom, and you know it was enough. Him getting caught partying during COVID was enough to get a. Um, uh, recall petition filed, but it didn't, you know, he won pretty easily. Um, but apparently the British are like not, not cool with this. And, uh, the speculation is that he's going to be out soon. Which, uh... I admire the British people, um, being that upset about something like this. Uh, it says good things about their convictions. Does it? Yeah, because they're like, everybody's locked down, and if you, who said everyone should lock down, did not lock down yourself, you're an asshole, Ex- and fuck you. Except he never said everyone should lock down. Oh, was he, he one didn't? of the people that said everyone needs to chill? Yeah, no, he was one of the he was one of the ones saying that like we're gonna do the herd immunity thing, and then he like had to walk it back because everyone shat themselves. But yeah, no, I yeah. Like, but then that- he was like, okay, everyone locked down now. I don't know. I'm just saying. It, I'm just saying he, he's less hypocritical on this front than Newsom because he at least tried yeah, to enough. do the herd immunity thing. All right. Well, whatever. I think I think this sucks because uh, I don't know. Johnson actually didn't seem so bad for a politician, and to be brought down by something like this is stupid. You know, yeah. it should be about like you know something the government did that affects people. Not like, I don't know. I feel like people get caught up so much in like personal shit with politicians that I'm like, guys, all that matters is what bills they'll vote for. Yeah. And like, as far as I know, even if he did was forced to resign, like there would be someone else who's substantively similar to replace him. And like, if that's the system you're working with, I'm kind of okay uh, firing politicians based on personal shit. Yeah, that's uh, fair because, if it's, like, a whole like, party system. Yeah, because, um, like, if they do personal shit, then they personally should be unemployed. And then if they do, like, a big policy-level stuff, then their entire party should be voted out. Yeah, that's true. It is. They, there is a lot of speculation that the party will make it, just not him. So, yeah. No, that's a good point. And, hey, his replacement might be a woman. <laughs> oh, how wonderful. I imagine his I replacement would be a lot less... 
<laughs> charismatic, though, and I think that's pretty important in a leader. So um, he... Boris Johnson uh... has the charisma of a gym sock full of melted crayons. No, no, he's got that uh, that doofus, I'm your friendly guy next door vibe going for him. Um, he's really working it. No, he could, he could really make that work for him. But yeah. I don't know if, like, charisma is what I'd call it. I guess it's charisma, but whatever the opposite of gravitas is. Yes, definitely not gravitas. So, you know, you could imagine a better leader for a country. <laughs> a one statement that has never, ever been false yeah. throughout all of history. Yeah. You, you might say he has a, a microgravitas. Uh, yes. Is that a penis joke? Uh, no, it's an Ian Banks joke. You're welcome, Gray. <laughs> ah. All right. There was a... Uh, Running joke where um, some enemy of the culture complained about how their ship names lacked gravitas, and then for like the next 10,000 years, all of their ships took names that were puns on having no gravitas. Ah. You said the word puns, now Inuyasha said. Yes. Actually, the culture ship names are pretty darn good. Yeah, I mean, they're not actually puns most of the time. Yes. They're just kind of nonsense phrases. Yeah. All right, but anyway, speaking of um, other countries, our next story is from David about everyone's favorite movie, Fight Club. Actually, a really good movie. Yeah. No, no um, terrible movie. What? So bad. All right, this this podcast has now turned into <laughs> discussing why Fight Club is a great movie. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, some uh, Hollywood studios have been recutting and re-releasing some of their movies in China to try to get some of those sweet, sweet RMB before they completely go in the toilet from uh, Evergrande collapsing. Um, Spoilers for Fight Club, by the way. Yes. (laughs) Uh, And so for those of you who haven't watched it, um, this is actually spoilers for Fight Club, so skip ahead like 15 seconds. Uh, At the end of the movie, the... It's a good movie. Watch it. Uh, okay, well, we're going to have to hash this out in troop deployments, I think. But uh, anyway, the movie ends with the, the um, protagonist, possibly mental hallucination, possibly best friend, uh, blowing up a bunch of buildings. How is it possibly a mental hallucination? Uh, I thought that was under dispute. Um, no, it's definitely no. a mental okay, hallucination. Cool. They right, show flashbacks so th- and everything. So the protagonist's mental hallucination slash best friend, uh, it's, it's, I haven't watched it since high school, which, like, my position is if you're in high school, watch it, otherwise you miss the train. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, he blows up a bunch of buildings, um, except in the Chinese version, uh, he doesn't. Uh, yeah, he, well, he having... blows up the buildings specifically as, like, an anti, like, establishment um, fuck the system kind of thing. Like, it's all the credit bureaus. Yeah. Um, he wants yeah, to wipe the- out everyone's debt as, like, a way of starting over and, like, fuck, fuck the status quo. Yeah, so it's pretty much like season one of Mr. Robot, except uh, not as good. Um, except nothing. It's the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, except I liked Mr. Robot, and it came out when I was in undergrad. Um, anyway. So, uh, this was one of the movies that got the re-release, uh, and it did not have that ending scene. Instead, before that ending scene, it faded to black, 
and a white text on black background uh, card came up on screen reading, quote, Through the clue provided by Tyler, the police rapidly figured out the whole plan and arrested all criminals, <laughs> successfully preventing the bomb from exploding. After the trial, Tyler was sent to lunatic asylum receiving psychological treatment. He was discharged from the hospital in 2012. <laughs> the, the best part about that is that Tyler is the imaginary friend. But he could still leave clues. I guess, but he can't go to jail. <laughs> That's like, true. Like, uh, the other guy was the real guy. Yeah. There was no Tyler. Uh, maybe they didn't watch the movie. <laughs> I'm guessing they didn't watch the movie. <laughs> dear God. That was... Oh, I, I just love that, though. Like, oh, the bomb didn't go off and everyone was arrested. And the police won. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Trust your authorities. They are competent. Yeah. And they have your best interests at heart. You guys are all familiar with the comics code? Yes. No. The comics code? Oh, the- yeah, the U.S. did the same thing back in the either 40s or 50s, uh, but there was a, you know, comics were just being created, comic books, as you think of them, mm-hmm. and some of them were horror, some of them were thriller, like, they were all aimed for all sorts of ages, and then uh, some some children were reading these things and being badly mm. influenced, and there was about to be, like, a major censorship law passed, and to avoid that, the comics industry came up with a code which included things like, no blood can ever be shown, which is why for a long time, whenever there was blood, it was purple or green or like in shadows so you could say oh that's not actually blood you know uh and there could be no sexuality and also the authorities the good guys had to win at the end there could never be like a bummer ending it was uh it was yeah a bunch and, of stuff it, and it wasn't just the good guys it was specifically like the the governmental authorities yeah, yeah the social order had to be yeah. preserved it was it ruined comics for 40 years yeah and then uh it, it, and then stan lee realized hey um you know this uh, approved by the Comics Code Authority stamp that uh, we have to get on our comics to sell them? We don't have to get those on our comics to sell them. And then he started publishing comics that weren't approved, and um, that bastard. Uh, and people were like, "Hey, the comics with the stamps on them are worse than the comics what don't." <laughs> and uh, very soon, all publishing houses either followed in Stanley's footsteps or uh, sought employment in other industries. And that's why Stanley is officially a First Amendment badass. And that's why Marvel Comics is a thing. Yeah. Yes. And he pushed the industry a little bit, but, like, in the 90s, it started going really hard, and that's when you got, like, Dark Horse Comics and a bunch of Image Comics, a bunch of comics that almost went back to the old style of, like, horror and sort of over-the-top gore and absurdity for a while, which was great. Except for the almost. Well, yeah. I I was an edgelord when I was in high school, too, so (laughs) I enjoyed it. Were you a spawn guy? I was a spawn (laughs) guy. What a fucking dork. I know. (laughs) I mean, I didn't like him as much as Johnny, but spawn was pretty damn cool. Uh, all right. I still have the spawn soundtrack. All right, all right. Next story is from Eniash about uh, pre-kindergarten. Yeah, uh, there was a massive study done. Uh, they followed people who had been uh, randomly either assigned or not assigned to pre-K uh, for many years. Uh, they followed them up through, I 
think sixth grade, um, maybe longer. But it uh, it found some some really devastating things. And I, I just want to start this out by saying that like it's rare to get study designs, uh, according to this thing that I read, that uh, are stronger than random assignment plus multi-year longitudinal follow-up. And yeah, this study found that people randomly assigned to 10 pre-K did worse had lower state achievement test scores in 3rd through 6th grade than control children who did not go to uh, pre-K. Which, you know, I I think is kind of obvious to us, but it's good to get that knowledge out in public. I think someone who didn't attend 1st grade would do better (laughs) in 3rd through 6th grade uh, measurement tests and so on and so forth. So, uh, yeah, school proven to be harmful once again. Or at least in this case, specifically pre-K proven to be harmful, and I'm sure it will replicate for all grades going forward. But... They don't have studies to prove it yet. Wasn't Freddie DeBoer's takeaway from this, and therefore we need government-funded pre-K for everyone? <laughs> yes, yes, something like that, somehow. yes. God. We are not spending enough money on pre-K is the problem. Oh, Freddie oh, no, DeBoer. No. Freddie DeBoer's ability to get all of his premises correct, get the implications of those premises correct, and then somehow still come to the wrong conclusion is just absolutely... It, it is genuinely impressive. I mean, you say it's the wrong conclusion, but he says it's the right conclusion. I mean, two out of three ain't bad. It's way better than most <laughs> other writers do. Yeah, but the conclusion's usually the most important part. Oh, see, yeah, that's... Yeah, two out uh... of three ain't bad is generally a good r- rule, but when the two out of three is X, imp- is X is true, X implies Y, and then your takeaway is therefore not Y, <laughs> like, that that's a pretty bad two out of three to get wrong. Yeah, no, no, it's bad, but it's. Uh, I still think Freddy's worth reading. Oh yeah, because because uh, he gets the, the the two ones right. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree on that. It's just really weird. <laughs> it is really weird. That one in particular. Uh, but I'm gonna go ahead and predict that this does not replicate. Um, just because I feel like every other study they've done has shown that pre-K does nothing. Um, so. And my prior is always that, like, whatever educational intervention you're talking about probably does nothing. Uh, this is a good study, but it's one study. Uh, and my my uh, my gut feeling here is this is probably just statistical noise or something. That's um, probably not actually harmful to to test scores. Uh, it's certain, probably know. probably harmful to children's you know enjoyment of their lives. But uh, test scores, nah. Yeah, didn't this also find negative effects on, like, um, emotional development and stuff, though? Oh, did it? I that- vaguely remember reading something about that, but I, I'm sold enough on the general premise, and um, it's irrelevant enough to my daily life that I didn't really pay too much attention. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think the takeaway from this is that we don't need pre-K, um, which is... but. That's been consistent through all the studies because, like I said, they always show that there's nothing. And they try to the like authorities try to slice up these studies into into smaller and smaller bits to find like something that pre-K helps with. And it's always like, oh, it's like non-tangible factors or some some dumb shit like that. Uh, but hopefully, this is just another uh, you know you log know, on the fire. Non-tangible factors like those ones that keep all the Asians and Jews out of the Ivy League schools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah mysterious factors that no one could possibly define um but yeah it turns out school's bad even when it's before kindergarten who knew surprise all right 
next story. Uh, this is so. Oh, this is an odd story. Um, Eniash, did you add this one? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I thought maybe you would want to handle it because you knew more about it. But there was a hospital that uh, had a well had a bunch of people working for them at will. Uh, technicians. All right, the uh, lawsuit nurses. to reinstitute slavery. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, they were being paid shittily, and they had found a different hospital that wanted to take them. Uh, the they told the hospital beforehand, "Hey, you know, we're getting paid shit. We don't like what you're doing. Come pay us more. Or we're leaving." Hospital said, "Nah, fuck you. You can't do that." And they said, "The hell we can't." And they left. And then the hospital sued to make it so that they could not work anywhere else. Uh, not only could they not work anywhere else, but they had to keep working at that hospital because they were critical uh, staff that would um, endanger people if they left or some shit. And a judge ruled in their favor. They they said that uh, he granted an injunction to keep them from stopping working. Like, literally slavery, which was fun. Fun in these states uh, of our America that we got here. But uh, after three days, that was rescinded. Um, and Wes, you had a theory as to why that was, which sounded really good to me. Yeah, so the way these kinds of things work when you get to do an emergency motion like this is generally the original TRO is either granted or denied based on just one party's submissions. So it's just one side of the story. So what I'm guessing is that um, the hospital submitted this emergency motion, making it sound like the other hospital had been done some like seriously shady stuff and and like uh, undermined you know their con their their employment contracts. Uh, they probably didn't even mention that they didn't have contracts uh, or just, you know, filled it with lies. Who knows? And the judge granted it on that basis, um, which is why when they came back three days later with some actual submissions from the other side, the judge rescinded it. Um, the restraining order also wasn't, you know, it didn't say you have to work <laughs> for this, uh, that company because that is, didn't it? no, you can't, you can't do it. You can't do that. That is slavery. I thought it said that. No, okay. it said you can't work for the other place. Ah, all right. So you can't take that. That is slightly job. different. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we do. There is a concept in the law about, like, tortious interference with contract. Um, in this case, they were trying to claim it was tortious interference with a prospective contract, which is <laughs> even. Is that a thing? It is a thing, but it shouldn't be. I mean, tortious interference with a contract shouldn't be a thing because that's what Correct. we in the economics profession call competition, which is generally seen as a good thing. Yeah, but apparently it's it creates some liability if you, you know, encourage people to break their contracts for your benefit. Sometimes if the right, you know, confluence of circumstances happens. Uh, in this case, the judge, you know, they really made it sound like if these employees left then, you know, hundreds of people would be dying because yeah. the hospital wouldn't have enough staff to do this, you know, be this, like, level two or level three trauma center or whatever, and there wasn't another one around, and, you know, it, without, none of that was true. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of a tempest in a teapot over the weekend. Yeah. And, it's and also, if you're listening to this and thinking to yourself, huh, them not actually having enough staff to keep all of the critically injured and sick people alive sounds like actually a pretty good case for this sort of thing. Sit down, shut up, and think about what you've thought until you come to the realization that the obvious thing they should do if they actually need these people to keep people alive is pay them more uh, 
We have a solution to this problem. It's called giving people more money until they agree to do what you want. Yeah, that was a great quote in one of the articles I saw. I'm gonna... Your failure to prepare does not constitute an emergency on my part. Well, no, that was from the uh, that was from the brief. Ah, that yeah, that was that was the other guy's brief. Um, but it was no, they like they they asked them to match the offer, and they were like, "Hey, this other place made us made us an offer. Um, do you can you match it? We'll stay here." And it was something like, "Well, you know, we don't think the long term uh, cost." Is worth the uh, you know the short term amelioration or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow! And they like the off other side obviously put that like front and center in their brief. So the fact that this company tried to basically get the force of law to allow people to not not stop working for them and lied in a briefing. Uh, do they get penalized for this in any way? Like this sounds like something that I. If I was a judge, I would want to throw somebody in jail over for at least a weekend. Well, it's a question of if they actually did lie. You know, they could have just selectively left out certain things. Um, and the general, and generally, the remedy here is that they would have to pay the other party's attorney's fees. That doesn't sound like nearly enough to me. Yeah, I kind of agree. Like, like on some the one sort of damages for fucking with the system. On the one hand, like. I get that that's not generally a thing the American legal system does, and I'm not in favor of violating general principles just because someone did something we particularly don't like. On the other hand, these guys tried to do an actual literal slavery. Yeah, and, and I like I said, I think the remedy, the only real remedy available is uh, to get their attorney's fees paid, but I hope they got that. And if something tells me they didn't. Because judges tend to be real hard asses about that. Any chance we could get, like, the lawyer they hired disbarred or something? I mean, it really depends on what was in the, you know, what was in the brief. Okay. You know, if, there were, if, he put, if he put knowing so, so lies in the brief. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if he put lies in the brief that he knew were lies, yeah, he can get in trouble for that. Um, but you, know, you can have a hard time proving that, I think. I mean, one of the reasons I never, ever was willing to even look at a federal job was because the federal government can and sometimes does just force people to work because they think it's a national uh, security concern. Yeah. And that's encoded in the law. I'm like, fuck that. I will never, ever join the, the, a, a company or government organization that can force me to work just because they want me to. And like now, it turns out not even working for a private organization with an at-will a job can protect me from being forced to to work for, for nothing for someone no, else it does what, what the they, yeah. he, he took it back over on monday I, I, he, yeah what? yeah but someone tried to have that happen and i think they should be severely punished for that bullshit yeah well yeah no one uh one of my friends um uh he's a soldier he works for the army and uh not only was he not allowed to uh, um cancel his contract uh, when he wanted to quit, he was actually forced to renew the contract. So the moral of the story is don't work for the government. <laughs> it's a bad especially, idea. Especially not the army. Yeah. They're, they're real upfront about that. Yep. They're like, oh no, we own you. Yeah. 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 Long they they tell you. The one good thing about that is it lets them do a, um, 
uh, it lets them do a thing where they'll pay for your college in exchange for, like, being able to force you to work for them, which I actually think would probably be better on net than student loans uh, of the usual sort. Um, so it's nice that that thing happens, but yeah, other than that, um, especially when it comes to employment law, the government and especially the military is very much rules for me and not for rules for thee and not for me. Indeed. All right. Next story. Eniash, you have a story for us about a freedom convoy. Yes. I got a question before I start. Okay. Have any of you guys heard about this Freedom Convoy Truckers in Canada thing? Yes, no, I, I have. It's hilarious. I only heard about it from you. I find it interesting that, like, I have not heard about it anywhere else either. This feels a lot like, you know, the the the, the holding up of the, the synagogue by the Muslim dude was uh, Wakeshad. Obviously, Wakesha was Wakeshad. So, that was the name of the town, right? Where they had the vehicle massacre? Uh, I don't know. I sounds think right. so. It's just one of these things that, like, I guess... It feels like the the media simply doesn't cover because they think it's inconvenient, but maybe it's because it's in Canada and no one cares about Canada. Um, but in Canada, a whole bunch of truckers are on strike. Not just on strike, they are protesting in Ottawa. Uh, there was an exemption that was ended January 15th that said that uh, truckers could cross from the U.S. to Canada and back without needing to have a vaccine. And it expired, and so these truckers were not allowed to cross the border anymore. And these people are protesting. They are driving their trucks all through Canada, not through Canada, all through Ottawa, and honking their horns, and generally being very public. Uh, interestingly, this is a mostful, mostly peaceful protest that is actually peaceful. Like it, it's not one of those mostly peaceful protests where they burn down blocks of cities and there's a, over a billion dollars of damage. Like as far as I can tell, there has not been any violence at all, and the only thing they've been able to get them on is uh, quote unquote desecrating a landmark, desecrating a some kind of holy site when they danced on the two of the unknown soldier a woman did uh which i'm not sure that counts as desecrating because it didn't do any permanent damage but uh you know you find what you can if you've got to if you got to make the enemy look evil anyways uh they're driving around ottawa they're angry they're honking their horns uh and justin trudeau was so terrified by this that he fled the city and is being held in an undisclosed location being held <laughs> or i don't know <laughs> Whatever term you want to use for when people are in hiding. Also, uh, you, you guys should um, uh, check the uh, Discord. Yeah, yeah, I saw the memes you posted. You gotta, you gotta repost ah. those on the uh, public channel. Oh, when, I will uh, when the when the episode comes out. Uh, yeah, <laughs> seems all seems very silly. Uh, Trudeau, the the truckers aren't gonna hurt you. All right, they're just protesting. It's fine. I, I saw one person saying that these truckers are introducing into Ottawa the silent killer, so, uh, carbon monoxide. <laughs> Trudeau should have stuck around. Maybe he could have his own January 6th moment. Yeah. He could, like, milk for political points forever. But no, they, these people are very, very um, uncooperative in their refusal to actual do actual violence. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, and they're all pissed off because they, uh, they don't like that you, you need to have a vaccine to cross the border. Yes. Yeah, that seems pretty stupid. Yes. The guys, the the virus is here. It's everywhere. It's queer. You yeah. you, you're not going to stop it at the border. Yeah, and also there's literally no profession on earth less susceptible to spreading the virus than truckers. <laughs> <laughs> they spend they all always... day closed inside a sealed compartment with like 45 mile an hour winds at least. 
No, I don't know. I've seen movies. They pick up hitchhikers. <laughs> oh, man. Those hitchhikers. That's patient zero right? right there. And they're always attractive ladies. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Unless Hollywood lied to me, which they never would. <laughs> no, no, haven't. Um, well, speaking of people not wanting to get vaccinated, we've got another story about a guy who can't get his kidney replaced until he gets vaccinated. Yeah, there's a dude who has kidney failure, um, and he is not vaccinated, and he refuses to get vaccinated. And uh, the he has raised all the money he needs. Uh, he has a line of people lined up that want to give him his kidney, because I guess he's a good guy, popular among his friends, has a lot of family. I don't know. Point is, uh, he's got a lot of social support. People want to give him a kidney. And yet the hospital says they will not do a kidney transplant um, because he is unvaccinated. Did, and did, you guys, did you guys see the apotheosis of this out of Germany? No. Nope. Yeah, so in Germany, apparently the um, like Association of Assisted Suicide Clinics announced that they would refuse to help patients who hadn't been vaccinated. <laughs> oh, man. What You've a troll move. That's insane. Yeah. Now, we, I think we had different opinions on this because while we, I, we talked about this before and we agreed that if you're on the list to get a uh, organ transplant, you should be vaccinated because we don't want to waste very rare resources like, uh, like organs, which are always in extremely short supply on people who are, got a good chance of getting killed after the operation because they wouldn't take a simple vaccine. But I think this case is different because, like, he's not taking organs out of the general supply. He's got people volunteering uh, to give them give him an organ that otherwise would not be on the market. So I uh, I think it's really fucked up that they're sticking to their policy of no, no uh, transplant at all if you aren't vaccinated, no matter what. Yeah. Um, now that I uh, look this up so that I can... Um put a source in the show notes i remember why i didn't originally put this in our uh outline it's because all of the news articles about it come from one really gross religious anti-death or deathist um i mean it's it's in that weird gross anti-death deathist the germany thing place where like they really really hate assisted suicide under any conditions uh yeah sorry this this is the germany thing um, so yeah, our, our source for this is going to be National Review, and it's gross, but their grossness aside, it's, as far as I can tell, good information. Um, but, uh, Wes, you had a different opinion on this kidney thing. Yeah, well, I think it's, um, first of all, it's the doctors who are deciding not to do it. Um, uh, from what I read, it's because the hospital has a policy. Well, sure, but I assume it's the doctors running the hospital. Okay. Uh, doctors don't run hospitals. Hospital administrators do, and hospital what? administrators are total pieces of shit. That's true. I did watch House. <laughs> uh, but I don't think it's that ridiculous a policy to say, "Look, we're not gonna like have our doctors and our whole like a whole team of doctors, which is what's necessary for this kind of surgery, and have them do this whole procedure if you're not willing to like do the tiniest little thing to make sure." you're guarding your own health. Like, we're not going to do all this work if you're not even going to do a tiny little bit. I would do a lot of work to build a house even if someone was about to burn it down the next day for their own fun because they're paying me to. Yeah. Like, if we pay the doctors, what's the problem? Well, that's you. If the, doc- <laughs> if the doctors want to do it, let them do it. But if they don't want to, okay. I don't think we should tell them, like, well, you should do it anyway. 
I, I mean, I guess I wouldn't force a doctor to do it if he didn't want to. I'm not sure that's the case here, but I also think it's kind of stupid that the doctor would say no. Like, what, what at this point, this is... Uh, is the vaccine going to help him that much? Probably, I guess. Yes, he, it'll help him a fair bit, but I don't know, man. There, there's, like, people who... I just found out a few days ago that uh, it's theoretically possible to create a uh, sterilization vaccine, and I don't think we have one yet. Uh, the research hasn't been done because people haven't, like, wanted to do that. But a what now? We could make one. A vaccine that... Uh, that it's a way to sterilize someone permanently um, oh. without hey, going hey, through surgery. Inyash? It's just a shot. Hey, Inyash, yeah. maybe given yeah. the anti-vax sentiment in this planet, mm-hmm. don't say mm-hmm. the phrase, it's a vaccine that sterilizes you permanently. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's literally what I'm saying. Like, people no, it gives you, already it gives have you lots sterilizing of- immunity. It makes it so that the virus cannot survive in any significant numbers in your system. It doesn't prevent any sort of reproduction. The things that exist right now, yes. But uh, there is an ability to, in theory, create a, a shot that will sterilize someone without having yeah. to no. go through... Eniash is up. talking about... Yeah. David, Eniash is talking about a different thing. Yes. Not a thing that currently exists. A thing that could, in theory, exist. It has nothing to do with COVID-19. A thing that gives you sterilizing immunity, which is different no. from being reproductively <laughs> sterile. <laughs> No, Eniash is talking about a shot that will make you reproductively sterile. Yes. Okay, why are we talking about this in the same sentence as vaccines? Because I feel like those should be on opposite parts of the outline. (laughs) You know, they're very different things, yes. But someone who is just getting a shot can't tell what they're getting. They have to trust the doctor. And if you don't trust the doctor, and also if you are a conspiracy theorist who thinks maybe the government has a secret program where they did develop this sterilizing shot and they want to give it to me for some reason, like... It's a conspiracy theory. These people are wrong. They should get vaccinated because the vaccine stops you from dying of COVID. And that's fucking huge. But like, I kind of understand maybe being scared of something. And if someone has the money to pay for his own operation and has the kidney that's not coming out of the general supply, like, let him do it. Let him take the chance with his life. You are sympathizing with a person who thinks that the doctor giving him the COVID-19 vaccine might be sterilizing him, but also trust the team of doctors who are going to cut him open, take out one of his organs, and replace it with another one? Yeah, people are stupid, man. It's stupid not to get the vaccine. I'm completely on board with this. I'm just saying you shouldn't be necessarily condemned to die from kidney failure because you uh, didn't, because you're stupid. All right. I'm just saying, like, there's a finite number of resources in the world, and why spend them on this asshole? They're his resources, right? Well, no, I mean, the doctors, presumably, if they if they didn't do this operation on him, they were, would be doing other things to save other people. I, I know, keep that, hearing how do doctors are overworked these days. I don't think they're just going to be kicking their heels up. Yeah, that could be possible. We really need more doctors. Yeah. But, yeah, if that's the case, I, I see your point. Yeah. I just, I feel bad. I kind of sympathize for him. Yeah. I was in a religion where you couldn't get blood transfusions for a long like, time, and it feels to me similar to that. Like in a vacuum, if it if it was cost-free to replace this guy's kidney, sure. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, there is a cost associated with it, and I feel like the resources are probably better spent on people who are, you know, cooperating in the whole project of keeping them healthy. And in fairness, Jehovah's Witnesses really probably should be deprioritized for uh, for risky surgeries because of that. Yeah. Fine, you've convinced me. But also, me. it's How not even you? a moral stance. I'm just saying, like, I don't have a problem with the doctors saying that they don't they don't want to deal with this guy, or you know, the hospital, whoever whoever's making the decision. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm glad we I'm glad we all agree that I'm correct. 
Yes. All right. What? Less as what? As normally, you've shut down conversation just by being so correct. <laughs> All right. One more story before we get to the good news. Um, Oof, finally. In, a, a graphic novel called Mouse was banned by a Tennessee school, school district. Well, it wasn't banned. It was removed from the curriculum. Um, and everyone's freaking out about it. Um, it's a graphic novel about the Holocaust, where yes. the Jews are mice and the Nazis are cats. Yes. Um, and it apparently has strong language and some nudity in it, which I think is human nudity, not, you know, cat or mouse nudity. I don't know exactly how it works. Um, but everyone's all uh, in an uproar about this for, I'm sure, what are totally good reasons. Honestly, they uh, are pretty good reasons. This is a dumb fucking move by the Tennessee school board, and they should have known this was coming. Okay, but, like, all they did was remove it from the curriculum for eighth graders. Uh, I, I didn't read this book in eighth grade. It was not part of my curriculum. So, you know, I feel like... Nobody protested my school district about it. Okay, so on the one hand, obviously the correct move to do here is just to, like, fucking free the students and do the school choice. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. uh, On the other hand, like, Mouse is a pretty good thing for kids to read. You could do a lot worse. Um, And their reasons for uh, taking it off the curriculum are incredibly stupid. Um, Yes. Like... it's not that they thought, like, oh, they would be better off reading um, Dusk or some other book about the Holocaust. It, it's just that, like, oh, no, uh, no the, the, the naughty words and the naughty parts. Like, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's very stupid. But I feel like that would that would not be a culture war issue if that's what it was about. I feel like people are trying to make this into, like, oh, they, they're not teach. They're, they're like banning teeth learning about the holocaust which they're definitely not doing <laughs> yeah no, no. They're, they're definitely not doing that um but like also the side that is very much in favor of canceling people is also the side accusing uh the tennessee school board of like being awful and censorious and whatever so like clear, what clearly really no one on that. any side of this argument isn't being of complete and utter fuckwit, but uh, my feeling is that the Tennessee school board are just ever so slightly the bigger assholes in this situation. Oh, if you want to see some real fuckwits, you should go to uh, Eniash's Facebook page. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, how? before we get to my Facebook page, <laughs> like, I... I that th- is this banning, I guess, is an interesting question, because it's not in any relevant sense, like, the students can still get their hands on mouse if they want, but what the school board is saying by taking it off the curriculum is that the teachers who were teaching it cannot do so now. They're banning the teacher from using it in their lessons, and I think that does count as banning and is a bad thing. The teacher should have the freedom to use it, unless, like, it was really bad for some reason, and I don't think it's really bad. Yeah, I guess I don't know how school curriculum works. Do teachers, do, like, individual teachers generally plan out what they're going to teach? Or is it, yes. is it usually, like, mandated from somebody, like, here's what you have to teach? Well, they are mandated with things that they have to teach, but uh, they have a fair amount of latitude, and all teachers are expected to create their own teaching plans. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, this was the, so this was saying, like, specifically, you cannot use this. You cannot use this. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. I think that you could fairly call that banning. Yeah, that's yeah, very stupid. I think stupid. so, too. And, yeah, and I, it's very stupid they did this. I think it's really fucking stupid how much people have gotten over arms about it, though, because it's a small district in Tennessee. They're fucking Puritans. Let 
Puritans be Puritans, I guess, if you want. I don't even know. I don't think their actual reason for wanting to ban it is because of the nudity and the swear words. I think they have some objections to how Nazis are portrayed or something. What? But no, I, I totally believe them that it's the swear words and the nudity. You Really? Yeah, trads yeah. are just like that, man. Oh, man. Really? Yeah, no, they, in, they in are that stupid. In a depiction of the Holocaust? Yeah, and, and speaking of being that stupid, Enosh, why are you friends with these people? Oh, I, I actually like to be friends with people who are at least somewhat talk-toable to uh, help them be better people. Uh, <laughs> and I, I mean that without irony. But, um, the, uh... Yeah, the, the people who are making such a big deal about this are the same people who tweeted out, uh, this book should be uh, destroyed and all the ideas within it banished forever. This is a hill I will die on. By the way, I work for the ACLU. Uh, they are the <laughs> people who say uh, Joe Rogan should be uh, silenced by the government or at least taken off Spotify. Like These are terrible people who are pro-censorship in every case. They support Nazi policy on what on uh, how information should be controlled, except for, you know, I guess this one specific case. And I just, I hate, I despise this level of hypocrisy among people. Well, you know, all book banners well, are in favor bad of... bad news for you. <laughs> 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 yeah, everyone in favor of banning books only wants to ban, you know, the bad books. And anyone trying to ban the good books is still, you know, bad and evil. It's, it's... They th- the thing is, they cr- cry, it's about freedom of speech, it's about, you know, d- the Nazis wanted to ban things. No, and they don't say that. Ban it again. Freedom of speech is a they- right-wing talking point now. Where have you been? Dude, they still say it, and it makes it pisses me off because they they pretend to be about principles, and then people who see them going back on their principles, like, immediately, as soon as it's inconvenient, are like, well, what the hell? Principles don't matter. They're no good. Nothing one respects them. And I'm like, yeah, because these people were never about principles in the first place. You're making... Actual people who care about principles look no, bad. Pe- people, especially blue tribers nowadays, are very much opposed to principles. Like whenever I know, you, it's disgusting, a- and like it's not even just like they say they have principles until they're inconvenient and then go back on them. Like they explicitly disavow principles. Like you make a they, principled argument to them, and they always clap back with, "But this is causing harm." Yeah, and that's what I saw on my Facebook from several people that like principles. Yes, lol. I I, I see that too. It's not good. Also, no, this is terrible. why um, this is why consequentialism is bad because uh, <laughs> left to the hand, left in the hands of the masses, consequentialism just decays into making shit up to justify your uh, tribal loyalties. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I have to agree. There's a lot of things we shouldn't have translated the masses with. Like, you know, the right to read mouse. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Keynesian <laughs> economics. Oh, uh, well. Prol's gonna prol. <sighs> <laughs> like, I would have no problem with it if they also stood up for freedom of speech at all times. But being literally the people who not just don't stand up, but who call for censorship. <sighs> if only everyone could be sophisticated, principled intellectuals like us. You know what? You're not wrong. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to go into happy news. Good news, everyone. Yay! <laughs> First piece of happy news, Inyash is back. Yes, woohoo! Second piece of happy I news was, is that... I uh, was so confused. <laughs> because what I heard is Inyash is black. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Really? Okay, that's great. Why is this yes. happy? I mean, I'm not uh, unhappy about it. Now you can have it, opinions about what? racial stuff. Right? And then I was like, oh, no, back. Okay, cool. That makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Second piece of happy news. 
Yimbies, they're not always losing every single time anymore. Yeah, yay. Good. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, you know, we all know zoning sucks. Yeah. And that uh, people should be allowed to build houses because, you know, lots of people need houses. I have uh, emerged from my um, virgin Yimbyism into the glorious chatdom of Georgism, but yes, this is good. <laughs> uh, yeah, the. Um, I feel like they're 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 very compatible, uh, but yeah, Oregon and Minneapolis, um, the state of Oregon and the city of Minneapolis, both ban have banned single family zoning. Um, California passed that law that we talked about uh, a few episodes back. That wasn't like super great, but was a step in the right direction. New York City has upzoned some of Lower Manhattan, so you can build more housing there in Manhattan, if you can believe it. And now even. Uh, AOC is advocating for more multifamily zoning, uh, which is big because her constituents probably don't want that. Um, but, you know, maybe she's standing on principle instead of political expediency. <laughs> Could be. You think the chances of that are high? I don't know. She seems like she has, like, actual opinions about stuff. That's fair, I guess. Um, I don't know. I actually know very little about her. All I see is she's, you know, good at Twitter, which... <laughs> probably means she sucks but you know what are you gonna do um but yeah there's a and we'll post an article in the show notes it's just basically about how the yimbies are having some success which i thought was uh something we could all appreciate yeah that's fucking awesome all right uh Eniash, is this you with the uh, artificial leaf it is right, what the fuck is an artificial leaf well, it's a membrane with a wet side and a dry side that runs some current through it, and I honestly don't know the technical details very well. Uh, but what it does do is pull carbon out of the air and turn it into basically a baking soda-type compound, from uh, what I read. Mm. And it is small enough to be fitted into a backpack, so uh, not doesn't require like a massive facility or anything. And importantly, it doesn't take that much power to run, which is you know pretty important because most of the power actually produces carbon as well. Um, and taking carbon out of the atmosphere by putting more carbon in the atmosphere is just kind of self-defeat. Uh, but no, it takes as much energy to run as a one-watt LED light bulb. Uh, it has been calc. No, no, not at all. It's been calculated that it can remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere at a cost of about $145 per ton, which is, I believe, absolutely record-setting by a fair margin, and is definitely below the Department of Energy's recommendation that they not exceed $200. Uh, so, yeah, th this is definitely good news for the the climate change and um, environmental issues thing. Uh, the the real question, I guess, is can it scale? Like, having one backpack is okay, and making the prototype is fine, but can you make a lot of them cost-effectively, or can you scale it up to a larger thing and still have it work? And I guess we'll find that out in the coming year. Here's what I want to know. Is this mm. a thing we can give to the annoying people who worry about their carbon footprint? So they no. can just, like, just carry so. it around on their back? No. Why not? Why not? Because David? they don't care about carbon dioxide. They just care about preventing people from having power. That's true. Mm. But then we can give them this, and then they can't claim to care about carbon dioxide. Ooh. Be like, well, if you really cared, you'd carry one of these around with you at all times and breathe into it. Where's your backpack, Holmes? <laughs> yes, yeah, right. Oh, you care about the environment? Where's your backpack? That, yeah. that actually is a good point. 
if yeah. this is an even more obnoxious and conspicuous way to for them to symbol signal tribal loyalty than protesting nuclear power, then this might actually be a really good thing. Right? Huzzah! You shall recognize them by the backpacks they wear upon them. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, yeah, this sounds pretty great. Um, you know, if if we're going to stop or uh, mitigate climate change, it's really going to have to be a technological solution. It's pretty clear. Uh, so it's good that we're making breakthroughs and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, now, what was this um, Department of Energy recommendation? I don't know. That's just the thing I pulled out of the out of the article. Okay. I'm I'm assuming that's some kind of like, wow, if we can get it under 200 per ton, then you know we could actually make it work or something like that. Yeah. That I don't know. All right. Yes, I think that's what it sounds like, but again, I don't know much about the recommendation, All right. so can't say All more right, about cool. it. cool. Well, we'll uh, update you if uh, we learn anything more about that. Uh, and next, David is going to tell us about the SHOT Show. Uh, yeah, so SHOT Show happened, and it was fun. Uh, SHOT Show is the um, firearms uh, trade association uh, meeting thing. Uh, it happens in Las Vegas at the same time every year as the uh adult film convention and a concrete convention and um uh yeah not much like to report in the level of detail we get into but there were a lot of cool new uh firearms designs and optics and uh that sort of thing uh shown and uh yeah it looks like it's gonna be a pretty cool um year or two for firearms uh in particular there's a new um uh binary trigger uh for glocks which sounds like a terrible idea on the merits but is a great way to give the middle finger to the atf which is like a third of what happens at shot show um so is a binary trigger something other than just a trigger that doesn't allow non-binaries to shoot it uh so it's a it is a trigger that fires when you pull it and when you release it um, oh! Yeah, uh, and it approximately doubles the uh, rate of fire you can get uh, from a um, standard trigger. Uh, except it also, especially on pistols, tends to be really dangerous because uh, you can get some major uncontrolled recoil with them. Um, I was about to say, that second shot sounds like it's not going to hit anything. Uh, Yeah, they're extremely useful on um, long guns, because they're very stable. But yeah, for pistols, it's pretty much just to uh, give the middle finger to the ATF. I feel like that's (laughs) going to result in several accidental shootings. Yeah, that's just kind of something you have to deal with to give the middle finger to the ATF. (laughs) Yeah. All right, well, uh, have fun with your <laughs> ridiculously dangerous guns, people. Yeah. Uh, there's also, um, like, uh, a um, optics company that I stand because they make really good uh, product for really cheap, uh, has uh, announced a new high-powered scope and um, uh, some other cool stuff. Um, there's a new... Um, imported Czech handgun that's basically a modernized version of the Tech 9 and people are calling it the Czech 9 which is very funny Um, so yeah, SHOT Show, it's cool alright, we have one more story and this one is from Eniash 
Yeah, uh, in the state of Illinois, they have passed a law, not just proposed, but actually passed this thing that allows women to get birth control pills from a pharmacist without needing to get a doctor involved at any step. Nice. Which is great. It is one more step along the way of just letting people get the fucking drugs they need without having to pass through, uh, you know, a doctor's okay. So I, I am greatly in favor. Huzzah, Illinois. All right. And hopefully they can expand that to every single drug. Yeah, would be nice. Mm-hmm. All right, well, now we're going to move on to troop deployments. I'm willing to put wave after wave of men at your disposal. As we all know, politics is the mind killer and arguments are soldiers. So in that spirit, we ask each host to send a soldier out on the battlefield each episode. And we'll start with David. Yeah, so um, my troop deployment is finishing the uh, uh, Where's My Flying Car trilogy, and I have entitled this one, Fuck the Strange Bedfellows Which Politics Makes of flying cars and chaos magic. It really is a strange experience reading everything on Rune Soup with the economics tag while also reading Where's My Flying Car. I know this because I recently did it. This is a strange experience because Hall's book is a technological tome about engineering marvels, past and future, which barely bothers concealing its sneer for the supernatural slash religious elements in the midst of otherwise glowing praise for Robert Heinlein's Beyond the Horizon. Rune Soup is a blog about, quote, magic, culture, paranormal, which takes the existence of literal deities entirely for granted, and... Let's just say that Gordon tries his best to understand science, but Josh actually does. Uh, Gordon being the guy who writes for Rune Soup, and Josh being Josh Hall, author of Where's My Flying Car. 80% of the paragraphs from either source out of context would be painfully easy to sort, except for the ones talking about what we should do about the 7 tenths strangled modern society we find ourselves in. These are also pretty easy to sort, but it doesn't take too much reading to realize that these are just different coats of paint and rearranged furnitures, but for the same room. Josh writes about, quote, finding a foeman worthy of our steel, unquote. Gordon writes about how, quote, the fundamental attribute of the magical way of thinking is seeing the universe as your plaything rather than seeing yourself as the plaything of the universe. Josh writes about the Machiavelli effect and Eloy Agonistes being wolves to each other, while Gordon writes about the vampire's castle and attempts to create a world without sin. I'm sure that the average listener to this podcast won't have the slightest bit of trouble deciding whether they find Josh's atheist materialism framework or Gordon's anime spiritualist one more compelling, but that's not relevant to the current discussion. What's important is that these two thinkers came at the question of what went wrong and what do we do about it from literally as polar opposite directions as it's possible to achieve and came to near identical diagnoses and actually identical prescriptions. That sort of thing doesn't happen often, and when it does, it is, to use the technical term, a clue. In a lot of ways, Gordon represents a counterpoint to uh, Matt Iglesias from my previous troop deployment. Imagination like you wouldn't believe, but disappointingly little nerve. Still, while you're exploring new frontiers and seeking foemen worthy of your steel, it is worthwhile to at least try on an epistemology other than atheist materialism for size. If you're listening to this, it probably won't be convincing, but Gordon's There is an Apocalypse on and It's Time to Fight Dirty Mindset is worth carrying with you, even if you find his recommendation of therefore start offering sacrifices to a god of the hunt less than convincing. 
Still, Gordon's nerves fail. His vision of each of us creating our own last homely house by the sea never quite reaches the obvious conclusion where that's much easier to accomplish in Josh's envisioned world of a second atomic age and mature nanotechnology because of Gordon's technophobic incl inclinations, nowhere near as bad as the Eloy Agonists, but still noticeable. All in all, I'd consider reading Rune Soup a worthwhile endeavor. It's certainly more interesting, and in some ways more enlightening, than boring technocrats like Iglesias. Just don't follow it off a cliff, and more importantly, don't take your eye off the ball. There will be much better entheogens and much more interesting sets and settings to take them in in the glorious Second Atomic Age. All right, thank you, David. Eniash, what do you have for us? I'm going to make an audible call here and change. I was originally going to talk about Luisa from Encanto and how she's actually great for helping women to understand men and bridging the sex divide. But instead, I like I was just thinking about this, as, as David was saying earlier, we're all about culture war stuff and things that don't necessarily mean anything for the most part in our lives. And that's what really drives us. Uh, and so we get wrapped up with talking about this kind of thing for hours. But I, a couple of weeks ago, WebDev Mason tweeted a thing that has really stuck with me, saying, imagine if a bunch of nukes mysteriously launched at apparent random targets, and the bulk of the media was like, why this happened is just a distraction from the real issues, like how we learn to live with radiation, which is uh, an analogy for uh, COVID being a lab leak, and everyone kind of shrugging and saying, oh, okay, it was a lag leak, lag, ah, lab leak, what are you going to do about it? And like, she, she's got a good point why are we not more concerned about that why are we talking about things like disney movies when we have had two years of relative hell and a lot of people dead that didn't need to be because of a fucking lab leak and nobody cares nobody's talking about biosecurity nobody's talking about whether we should have research labs far far away from urban areas and and i don't I mean, I kind of know why that is. It's because culture wars let us signal our tribe and allegiances are incredibly important to our survival, especially in the ancestral environment. And things like whether lab leaks can happen weren't. But like we, the, we somehow need to find a way to not only change our priorities, but like get society as a whole to start prioritizing things that are more important. And I don't know how to go about doing that, but maybe it's a thing to start thinking about more. Indeed. All right. And my troop deployment is that Fight Club sucks. Oh my god! No, you I'm just kidding. Calling an audible? No, I'm oh, just kidding. Oh, oh, see, this is why you wanted yours last because <laughs> then I can counter with how good Fight Club is. No, my uh, my troop deployment is uh, Joe Biden's question: What are Republicans for? Uh, if you pay attention to the news, you may have noticed President Biden giving a petulant speech after his voting rights bill went down in flames, or he angrily asked, "What are Republicans for?" with the implication that they weren't in favor of anything, just against everything he wants to do. Now, I'm usually the first to express that sentiment, and it was largely true for the past 25 years or so, ever since Newt Gingrich discovered the benefits of obstructionism in the 90s. Fucking but, Newt. Fucking Newt. But it comes at a strange moment, because the Republican Party isn't really doing that anymore. Sure, they're against most of what the Democrats want to do, but those seem to be actual ideological differences. In the past two years, Republicans have cooperated with the Democrats to pass several COVID relief bills and a large infrastructure bill. The main roadblocks to the bills Biden wants to pass are senators in his own party, not Republicans. I also want to highlight what I think is a great Republican bill, Mitt Romney's Family Security Act. One of the best parts of the proposed BBB bill, the continuation of the expanded child tax credit, uh, is where parents are sent 250 to $300 a month per child. It's like UBI for parents. Now, Romney has a bill that's an alternative to that, but better. 
First of all, it's not a tax credit, so it's less confusing. It's just a straight-up payment sent out through Social Security, not the IRS. It's actually more generous, giving out $350 a month for younger children. It also simplifies things by eliminating a bunch of other programs that work way less well, including TANF, otherwise known as welfare, the head of household tax filing status, which, what even is that? Two different child tax credits, and part of the earned income tax credit. So in essence, it takes a bunch of stupid targeted programs, scraps them, and replaces them with direct cash payments. Though it still is a dumb phase-out at high income levels. So Mr. President, that's what at least one Republican is for. Given that Joe Manchin doesn't support extending the pandemic child tax credit, why not work with Mitt Romney to get this bill passed? It's worth a try, unless you're really just looking for an excuse to complain. Alright, that's our show. For these two weeks, please follow us um, wherever you follow podcasts. Leave us reviews. Um, Subscribe on Substack so you'll get access to early episodes. You'll get bonus episodes. And you'll get into our subscriber-only Discord channel. And come back in two weeks. Same rat time, same rat channel. Bye. Bye.